Hi, y'all. I'm Molly. And I'm Megan. And we're two good friends. No, Megan. We're two best friends from Cincinnati, Ohio. We're here to talk to you all about our love of musical theater. Throughout our shows, we'll be discussing some of our favorite shows in depth. We'll be talking about the facts of the show, casting choices, the songs, and whatever else we want. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about musical theater. Woot! So what show are we talking about today, Murr? Before we get to that, I have a very important question to ask you. (laughs) Are people born bad, or do they have wickedness (laughs) thrown upon them? (laughs) That's not a line. The line is, are people born bad? Or do they you have know what? I am not okay by... After all, <laughs> she had a father. She had a mother. As so many do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're doing wicked. I tried so hard. <laughs> you did. I still love you. But it's a very... Uh, that has to be the number one answer for people when everyone is asked, what's your favorite musical? So many people have seen that show and love it. What's yeah. not to love? So to give you all some background knowledge on Wicked, the book was written by Winnie Holzman. The music and lyrics was, were by Stephen Schwartz, and it was inspired by the Wicked book series by Gregory Maguire. Side note on Stephen Schwartz, fabulous composer. Oh, 100%. God, so. Did Pippin, like, what this man can't do, I don't know. Um, I found out that it premiered May 28, 2003 in San Francisco. Um, that was the pre-Broadway tryout to see if they could actually amass an audience to have any interest in it. And then it actually had mixed reviews in San Francisco. So the time between it closed in San Francisco and when it opened on Broadway, um, Schwartz asked for three months to essentially like rewrite the show and and figure out and grease out the pieces that he didn't like, didn't like. Um, and then as well, I guess he said he, they got a lot of feedback and critics around the story. The Wicked Wicked's supposed to be about the Wicked Witch of the West. But Elphaba wasn't prominent enough. So I guess they used that time to push her more into the spotlight. I so want to, like, go back and see that first production because... As As much as you hate bootlegs, where's that bootleg? Right? But, like, when he... Knowing that the original didn't have enough Elphaba, it just makes me want to know, like how much was fully cut and how much was then fully added just for Broadway because it's known on the internet that there was another song in the place of the wizard and I, but it was, that was still an alphabet song. So I, I don't know. The wizard and I, I count that as like the big, like I want song. So maybe it wasn't a huge, like, but like, there's no other knowledge about, other Glinda songs being cut from the show or whatever. Right. I I personally like that they still kept Glinda as the narrator of the story. Oh yeah. It works so well. And then like leaves you on edge wondering if she is being very true and fair with everybody or if she's telling a lie the entire show. 
that's what I've kind of thought about the last couple of days thinking through like the podcast the listening to the cast album and then also reading about the show again I've seen it three times but I mean at the end of the night after you see it you still wonder like what side is Glinda on like it's not really apparent at the end yeah and I have like about that too about what side she's on oh always because I love Glinda I love Elphaba growing up I liked Glinda more you side That's, note you also played glinda in our high school production of the wizard of oz true and i have a much more i have a bubblier personality so yeah. people always assume i'm just a glinda stand and i am but i also can side with alphaba but like growing up it just really makes you wonder because like as an adult looking back you're like wow glinda was a terrible friend but then i don't That's know when hard. i was younger right. i was like Elphaba's a terrible friend. Like she just stole Glinda's boyfriend. What? I'm gonna fight you on that. Fiero. <laughs> she did not steal. Fiero kind of Oh, what a celebration we'll have today. Like she was gonna ask him to marry her. But during their time at Shiz, when there's a scene with Dr. Dilliman and he gets sacked and they bring in the line in the cage. Um, That's another true. prominent scene is he helped her save the lion and that sort of planted seeds of him a not just being a ditz to say yeah. it nicely and sort of quote unquote woke him up made him yeah. as the cool kids say woke <laughs> <laughs> um, and he I, I guess I mean I guess that linear line of like how their relationship evolved isn't clear in the musical but I like to think that Fiero made the choice of his own will and yeah I guess that opinion probably also comes from the fact that growing up The Wizard of Oz was one of my favorite movies yeah and just knowing The Wizard of Oz the Wicked Witch of the West is the bad guy you don't get the background knowledge so I think after my first experience of seeing Wicked, which we'll talk about later in the podcast, <laughs> it, just then shaped, <laughs> it then just shaped the opinion the entire time of that she stole Glinda's people. But then that goes back with like, did that, did um, Dancing Through Life, like with the lyrics, you're perfect, you're perfect, so we're perfect no, we're together. Perfect together. If Glinda's not telling the truth in her narrative, did that happen? Right. We'll never know because Glinda is unfortunately fake. And so is Alpha And <laughs> so is this whole show. This isn't real life. And that's sad. <laughs> we'll just, you know, call up Universal Studios to get, get the beef on this. Yes. And be like, so what are you doing with your movie production? Okay. It'll be interesting. We're not going to talk about that movie Yes, we'll I, have, I have some notes on it. Because I just don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like this pandemic is going to put us behind schedule. Oh, they already end. lost it. I don't know, but are they going to put now put out, I don't know what production um, overhead is doing in the Heights, but are they going to do two musical movies in the same year that close together? Like I know in the Heights is like basically done. I have a conspiracy theory that they haven't even started filming wicked yet we would know about it we would have a cast list exactly there's yeah 
Wicked's not coming out in 2021. It's not happening. I would say that. I don't. I think they've done as much work as you do two weeks leading up to the paper. You've looked at it, went, yep. And mm-hmm. <laughs> that's about it. I think they've acknowledged what's happening. They said, okay, we want to back this because it is popular on Broadway. But other than that, I don't think much has budged. Oh, I mean, it started off being we're going to come out at the end of 2019. And then they gave us cats. They greenlit cats. Okay, or they greenlit Wicked. They greenlit cats because they stunt casted, which is just, I guess, normal Hollywood casting. But in theater, it's stunt casting. Oh, yeah. They, they stunt casted the entirety. Which- Makes me so nervous for Wicked. So, so nervous. Because I don't want a stunt cast for Wicked. Unless it is the original cast. But then that won't be believable because none of them look like that they're still in That's that's the whole you have with a lot of things, as we'll come to find out. You have a problem with age casting as well. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of problems. (laughs) Uh, I still love you. It's okay. Oh, thanks. So... When I was doing some research, I pulled out all three of my playbills, and the plot thickens <laughs> with our conversation that we keep having. So I, I first saw Waitress, not Waitress, God. This is the Wicked Podcast, Megan. God, it's related. <laughs> oh my okay. gosh. So I first saw Wicked, not Waitress, TBD on Waitress, where in 2014 with Allison Luff, that's why I said Waitress. And Gina Beck. And then in 2017, which is the Wicked that we talk about frequently, I did not see any of the principal um, alphabets. I saw I saw the understudy. And that's Seriously? why I don't remember. Yeah. So you didn't have was- Jessica Bosk or Mary Kate Morrissey? No. And here's my beef <laughs> as someone who works at a theater. Also, it is okay to have understudies and standbys on for leads. They are just as good. They also get paid a lot. My beef's not with the understudy. It's the placement of the stuffer. (laughs) (laughs) It was in the back of the playbill, so I didn't see it until I went through it. And I I had Chelsea Emma Franco, and she's the standby. And it makes sense because we saw it. My family always sees shows on matinees on Saturdays. So it makes sense. Long week. Four shows under the belt. Whoever was Alphabet at the time probably needed a break. And on tours, the evening performance. And a lot, the majority of the tours that I know of, they have five show weekends. So, like five yeah, shows, like do. Friday night, a matinee, nighttime, mm-hmm. matinee, nighttime. So, yeah, if I'm singing Alphabet and I've already done. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, I would take my Saturday matinee so I can make it through the rest of the shows. And especially if we saw it the first week, they parked it in town because you have to think about Monday is a travel day. So wherever they're coming from, they're traveling yep. from X city to us. Then they got to get the whole theater together, stage together. And then Tuesday do a show and then, you know, it's hard work. You cannot do it. Yes. But going on so from that. So you said that, you saw it three um, times, right? So I didn't see, yeah. So the third time is when I did see Jessica Vosk and I saw Katie Rose Clark as Belinda in New York City at the Gershwin. I forgot that you saw 
saw it on Broadway. Okay. And I'm not upset by it, but I'm also glad I saw Wicked. Yes. So I went through my playbills and we're going to go on a tangent here because we have to talk about the first time I saw Wicked, but we will start. I will go in chronological order, starting with the most recent. So I've seen it a total of, I believe it's six times. God, I'm not surprised. (laughs) Very, very thankful for the Wicked Lottery. But so the last time, the most recent time I saw it, was September of 2017 when I saw Mary-Kate Morrissey and Jenna Claire Mason on Mary-Kate Morrissey's national tour debut. I loved every minute of it. She is one of my favorite alphabas. Like, she'll go down. That, she was the perfect her... age to play the college student of alphaba. I loved her. That She's her... a queen. Was debut? No, so Mary Kate, that should have been Mary Kate's um, national tour Alphaba debut, and Jenna Claire Mason had already been oh, playing Linda. No, you're fine. You're good. Yeah. Um, but then before that, the week before, um, I saw Jessica Bosk in the role of Alphaba with Jenna. What and, are you talk about on the rig? <laughs> uh, I don't know. We're gonna have a- I, we'll go to that I later. That's a different. Or that's when we'll, when we get to songs, we'll talk about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so I saw her. Uh, I saw her the opening night in Cincinnati. Um. And then before that, I saw it three times. No, two times. Can I count? Yes, I saw it two times in 2014 with Allison Luff and Jenna Beck. And the love of my life, Nick Adams, who then later I found out he was gay. And it was really sad, but that's okay. 16-year-old Molly Molly had her hopes. (laughs) (laughs) And then I saw it in 2011 with, I believe you say her name is Mammy Paris? Paris? Pars? I'm not really sure. I'm very sorry. I'm terrible with names unless it's super easy. And Amanda Jane Cooper. Oh, she was like she was Linda in um, New York City. Yes, she is like a. I believe she's like the love child of Christian Chenoweth, because you she hear so much. But I then, agree. The, but then the first time I saw Wicked, I was ten years old. It was tw- uh, two thousand and eight. I saw it with Carmen Cusack. And I had the Glinda understudy, who was played by Ali uh, Mazi. Yeah, know your name. I'm sorry. Um, I love you. Thank you. But so here's here story time, folks. As I mentioned, <laughs> I loved the Wizard of Oz movie. I've always wanted to play Dorothy Gale. I've played Glinda the Good Witch in high school. But so loved it. I could sing you every note of that score. I could tell you what happened scene to scene. I can point out when Dorothy's hair changed and you can tell that they filmed it at a different date or like months ahead of time compared to the like whatever because her hair keeps changing. Um, stuff like that. Like that's how obsessed I am. People. You know, uh, 
gotta love old movies. Um, but so when I saw that at the ripe age of 10 years old, everyone knows this scene at the end when uh, Fiero, a.k.a. now the Scarecrow, opens up the trap door that the Wicked Witch of the West uh, melted into when she got hit with water. Um, Ten-year-old Molly started sobbing loudly <laughs> in the balcony <sighs> of the Aronoff Center, saying, uh, "My mom." It's a quote from my mom. You just kept crying. That's not what's supposed to happen. For the rest of the show, after oh he opens that trap door, and I know it's not long, but it was long enough for everyone I was with, which was a very large group, to be very embarrassed. Um, that is the one time I can tell you I did not stand up for a Broadway show's curtain call. Um, I do not have that playbill. My mother does. I was very emotionally scarred by the fact that Fierro was not on Dorothy's side. <laughs> because the Scarecrow is supposed to be one of her best friends. Dorothy's, that is. But I guess when Dorothy went home, he just stabbed his friends in the back and went back with the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> but I was 10 years old and I didn't understand the show. You did understand the relevance and the importance. <laughs> exactly. But now I like get it, but I'm still, I'm still just, I'm like, oh, love it. Friendship, love, great. But there's still that tiny little part of me that oh. is still heartbroken when that happens because of Dorothy Gale. I, I can't help it. Yeah. I just can't. <laughs> It's okay. I still still love you. Thank you. Thank you. So when I was going through um, the Elphaban Glindas I've seen, I've also I made a list of if I wanted to see a prediction particular production of Wicked, i.e. if they if we ever come back from Corona, this is who I want to see, and I think I made a pretty good list. Oh, you ready for it? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. So. We're starting off with Bach. Oh. I want Lynn manuel Miranda to play Bach. Oh, like you you are casting this with oh, like I'm, musical theater. Who, okay, okay. I wasn't I have not been in the production of Wicked and I almost said waitress again. I apologize. Interesting. Because um, I like I don't know. About- I guess I would never I don't know, like, I have a dream Wicked cast with, like, people who have been in Wicked already. Fair. I'm doing, like, Brightman has played Bach. I want to see him play Bach. I want Chris Fitzgerald to come back, man. Oh, yeah, but... Okay, Bach. Again, I get it. He's old. He's too old. Yes. I mean, yes, exactly. He could not... No. Nope. I have a problem with that. We'll get to it later. (laughs) All right. So you ready for the wizard? Yes. Mandy Patankin. Oh, okay. I see uh, it. Fiera was kind of hard. And I don't know how I still feel about it, but Jeremy Jordan is Fiero. Huh. Okay. Yeah, like I wasn't too thrilled by it, but I'm like, eh, it's something that came to mind. Um, I have Madame Morrible as Laura Bonanti. 
Okay. I would love that. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Right. right. Think about it. Um, Glinda as Jessica Keenan Wynn, who was in the past production, Cynthia Weil and Beautiful. Yes. I also like half key thought about Jesse Mueller as Glinda, but it's not a person she'd ever go for, I feel like. I don't see Jesse Mueller. I could see so well be could really cool. Coach, but just not the character. No, no, no. She character wise, she's much more of an Alphaba than yes. a Glinda. But her yes. voice could she could her voice would make her be able to do anything. Yes. Her voice is golden. Um, and then I have Samantha Barks as Elphaba, and then Krista Rodriguez as Nessa Rose. Oh, okay. Oh, right. right. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Well, See? Okay. Now I. Uh. Okay. I feel like I need to take a minute, and I gotta figure this out. <laughs> well, I would do. I threw it out of the park with Mandy Patinkin and Laura Benanti. <sighs> Oh, that'd be so good, though. Mm. I just, like, right? I don't even know. Like, I get, I don't know. I think when there's one person that I can, you, this is obvious, but someone I would really love to play Fiero is Zach Adkins. I love you, Zach Adkins. Yeah, You'll never listen to this, but I love you. <laughs> yeah, Anyways, he'd be a great Fiero. And then I guess I would say then I want Jesse Mueller as my as my Alphaba because I love her. I, who doesn't? Like Linda. That was oh, Madam Madam Horrible. I want Leslie Kritzer. Oh, okay. Kritzler, Kritzler, whatever. I'm sorry, I can't say your name. Um, for Bach. Um. Oh, what is his last name? Um, 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 Tommy Bracco, Bracco, yeah, Bracco. Yes, I would love him because he. I think it would have to be a different track for him to do it. Like, I feel like they would have to give Bach more dance. Right. But I, I think Tommy has a very youthful spirit to him which is totally what Bach has right see I chose Lynn as Bach because he's kind of has that awkward-ish type hint to him but could like pull it off he can act that part yeah but then I I I don't think I can I can't fill the other parts it would take too much thinking for me to be like yes this is my dream cast but those are people that I just love like, I seriously, like, right now, I'm like, who would I want to play? I guess I would say, for Glinda, I would want Ryan Red, who's currently Olaf and Frozen. Right. Because she could sing it. And, like, I am all for, like, she isn't your stereotypical look of Glinda. No. But Wicked has already shown us that they don't care considering Glinda's standby is played by Brittany Johnson, who is African-American, which Love is. is, like, unheard of. So I... Killer voice, too. Oh, yeah. She's oh, she's amazing. I love her. But I don't so know good. who I would want to play the wizard or Nessa. I'll play Nessa so I can sing you know The Wicked Witch of the East. <laughs> you know what would be cool? 
if the wizard was no that wouldn't work i take it back a woman they can't do that because of the beginning (laughs) um yeah that there would yeah you wouldn't be able to (laughs) a little bit ish um (laughs) not well I mean, I mean, because when you, well, when you think about it, so it's like that, we'll we'll talk about this beginning sequence now, like growing up, I guess not growing up, would you assume that Elphaba, I mean, it is assumed that Elphaba is the wizard's kid, her mom drank the green elixir and we'll have ourselves a little mixture, have another little sweater, little lady, and I'll follow you down. Right. Like insinuating intercourse happened. But right. technically, like Alphabet could actually be her the the father's daughter like she could be his and not the wizards that's how i took it because i was like oh it's the green elixir that turned her skin green and also gave her the powers powers. because the wizard has no powers yeah we all know that yeah so like when i first saw it i didn't think to me that the it would be the wizard's daughter it was just that it was the elixir that she drank when she was already pregnant yeah 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 when i was younger that's what i thought but as an adult, oh, they definitely like, especially oh. w- um, when the wizard sings, um, "Who always longed to be a father?" Uh-huh. It's like, sir, you are. You just didn't know. And you're still a terrible person to your daughter. Yeah. But that's yeah. the point. <laughs> you're being terrible to her right now. So, huh. mm. and to the little girl, right. Dorothy Gale. I. No One Warns the Wicked is one of my favorite songs out of that track. See, I was trying, when I was going through and writing my notes on, like, things I wanted to say about songs and lyrics. Right. It was like, this is a one, the one, this is one of the soundtracks that I can listen to every single song and thoroughly enjoy it and love it. Right. And there's some uh, musicals that I can't say that. Like, occasionally I will skip a song or two in Wicked. Like, the other day I skipped a few because I was running and I was like, I really can't run to this song. Right. It's really hard to do that. Right. But this whole album is a banger. I love it. Oh, it sure is. I made a top five of the songs I... (laughs) Oh. (laughs) What's your top five? Okay, we're starting at the bottom. Number five, and I'm shocking you with this, is For Good. It's not my favorite. I love it. Top five. Okay, yeah. But I have other songs I like better. And then number four is No Good Deed. Okay. Uh, Number three is Defying Gravity. Duh. Uh, (laughs) That's only three? Oh, my God. Get out. We, We can, yeah, yeah, I'm going with it. And then two, No One Mourns the Wicked. I mean, just the opening score is fabulous. Oh, one of the best overtures. Brilliant. Brilliant. And then my favorite song is The Wizard and I. I love that song so oh, much. Inter- okay, interesting. I know. Did I just no, clearly? No, no, no. Clearly, <laughs> like Elphaba. That's all I have to say. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> you're proving that they did the right thing and 
by by putting more of Alphaba in this story because your Ooh, top five yeah, songs. I didn't think about that. Your top five <laughs> songs all involve her. Yes, because um, so for me, I'll 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 do a top five right now. Okay, I would say my top five. And we're going to bump the reprise with it, too, because I think it's one of the best musical theater reprises ever. I'm not that girl. This is either in no order. <laughs> I'm not that girl. because, And I even wrote next to it, like, out of context, this song is so relatable to anybody. Oh, yeah. Applies to you're, And any situation that you're not that girl, not just a love scenario. But that I love too. how. Oh, my God. I love how the reprise is the same wording but has different context because Glinda's singing it. Yep. But it still means the same uh-huh. thing. It's why oh. it's one of the best surprises in all of musical theater, if you ask me. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say, as long as you're mine, because who doesn't love a saucy love duet? Who doesn't like sexy Elphaba? <laughs> yes. And, like, the moment she says, Wicked. Oh, I love it. Then I would say Dancing Through Life. Yeah. You like a good Fiero. I love a good Fiero. I I also, as I've gotten older, I enjoy a good dance break. And really, that is like one of the only songs in this musical that strictly has a musical dance break. Interesting. Because when there's a dance break in one short day, there's like it's the... Uh, Wizomania show they're still right. singing so there's not really a dance break um and like dancing through life um has like the one dance sequence when all the dancers are on the stage at the same time doing stuff right um so that was I'm not that girl as long as you're my dance oh, I have two more okay I was right <laughs> um of course popular yeah, saw that coming from two miles away. I, I did my eighth grade speech contest. I was in the poetry um, category, and I said, "Like uh, popular." I said it. I, I love it. right. It's it's very on brand for me. It's your on brand. Yes. Um, and then I would say for good. I love for good. Yeah. So definitely, that's a definitely top five and I guess depending on where you are in life and like for me if I gave them all numbers they would fluctuate oh yeah because like when we were leaving high school like my song with our friend Rachel was for good because we were like oh my god we just played Glinda and the Wicked Witch in the West and the Wizard of Oz like relieving each other yeah because I knew I didn't change for good like that was us but then, I question was for good the song that um, Ve sang our sophomore year as their senior song. I believe so. Okay, because no, like, it wasn't think... Ve. It was all of choir seniors. That's it. That's it. Which is really sad that I'm sitting here now. Like, what song did I sing? We sang a really obscure song. I know I didn't like it. And I was like, I don't even like this song. I'm not going to cry at the concert. And then I cr- sobbed. But that's beside the point. That has that's on brand. I'm not going to cry. Cry. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's very on brand for me. But so, okay, oh. while we're talking about songs. Yes. Um, as I mentioned before, 
I would want to play Nasa Rose so I could sing The Wicked Witch of the East. And I really, like, I know someone who knows Stephen Schwartz, like, personally, has his phone number in his phone. And I <laughs> want to email him. He was my a musical director for one of the shows I was in. He often was asking Paul. So, Yeah. And Alan Macon. It's fine. It's whatever. Jesus. Um, What's he doing in small town Cincinnati? Well, so he used to be uh, a music, work for a music publisher. So he Uh, would make sure they're right. But I like want to message him. I'm really hoping he sees my newest post on Facebook and asks Steven because I really just want to know why that is not on the album. It would give the, like, it's one, it's a problem. I know I could look in Google and be like, this is who played the original Nessa Rose. But I guarantee if that song was on the album, I would know her name by heart. Oh, yeah. Because that would give her so much more. Like the only other song she's in is Dancing Through Life, and she barely sings in it. It's mainly talking. Right. And she is esque in one short, not one short day. Um, Dear old shiz. But like doesn't sing. It's just there. yeah, she's just there. Um, but also that song transforms Nessa Rose into a defenseless. Woes me, my sister's green. I'm in a wheelchair too. And explains why the house landed on her. A terrible freaking person. Like first of all, yeah, right. Nessa Rose is mad that Elphaba hasn't helped her. And first of all, rude. Um, <laughs> and then. <laughs> In order to make Box stay with her, she's stripping the munchkins of their rights. Like, who? Yep. And then then she goes, well, I have to make him stay. I need to transform him. And opens up the book. The book. And says a random spell that turns him into the Tin Man. Like, And then she's like, Elphaba, you did this. And And Elphaba was like, no, I didn't. That's like the ultimate. That's a sibling fight. That's a sibling fight right there. Your fault. (laughs) Clearly, it wasn't. But okay. Yeah. But no, I I completely agree. But while we're talking about other songs, Mm -hmm. um, I wrote for good. Um, just let me sob, please. Um, I. That's I don't know. That's like the point in the the show when it's like, wow. Wow, we've been we've been through a lot, and I've already cried a few other times. Why so not just like, throw this one? Let's in do it again, right? Um, ooh, ooh, wait! I have a question with songs. Okay. All right. The eleven o'clock number is it? No good deed or for good? Oh, eleven o'clock number is no good deed. But would it be an 11 o'clock number for Glinda and Elphaba together in For Good because they're deciding to part ways? And it's still a powerhouse song. No. Uh, because, okay, let me, I went to, we had this discussion. With Frozen, I know. The other day. And, but for the yeah. podcast reason, I would like to read the definition. On why Merv is wrong. Uh, yes, on an 11 o'clock number. But an 11 o'clock oh, for number. The, for the record. 
Merv likes to have dates with me. <laughs> I don't have beef. I just want to show you my point. But go no, ahead, I, read the definition. It. The definition of 11 o'clock number is a theater term for a big show-stopping song that occurs late in the second act of a two-act musical in which a major character, often the protagonist, comes to an important realization. For me, for me, I said fur. Yeah. That was one of my New Year's resolutions. Is not to say fur, but to say for. Classic Midwestern problem. Oh, right. For fur. me, the 11 o'clock number is no good, deed. no good deed because that's the, the turning point for the protagonist, who is mm-hmm. Alphaba. Alphaba. Well, um, I'm just not going to be good anymore. I'm going to fight these people and I'm going to then save Fierro. Right. And uh, whereas for good, like to me, basically the finale, like the I know the finale song exists and we just hear everyone say, no one mourns the wicked. But right. that to me, like, for good is the closing show song. Right. Well, what's interesting, like, I one, I agree. I just thought it was interesting to think about because usually the 11 o'clock number is either the last or the second to last song. No, it's usually the second to last song. Um, yeah. But back to for good and the finale, um, I think for good is a way to set up that, like, Elphaba and Galinda – are saying like, hey, we're still sort of friends even though we don't see eye to eye and we can't see each other anymore because politics. So I love you. We're good. Bye. And I think when the finale comes through, it is a way to show Glinda's actions knowing that she knows Elphaba is alive and that they can't see each other anymore. Oh, one hundred. So it sets up the question of like, well, is she doing it to save Elphaba and Fiero, even though she still loves Fiero, or is it because she truly still wants to be a social status figure? I I completely agree with that. I completely because especially the way that she sings. Um, like I I I, I the last time I saw this was twenty seventeen, and now we're now in twenty twenty. And I feel like I really need to see Wicked again. So I've already planned when I go to New York next time I'm seeing it. Uh, you're taking me with you. Oh, of course. Duh. Okay. Um, but I believe she is holding the hat when she sings Because I Knew You. And, like, her facial expression in that, to me, right. like, to me, in that, the finale number, she is heartbroken that she no longer has this friend because she can't have that friend because of politics. But also it's like, I'm doing, I know what happened. Like she knows what happened. Mm -hmm. That's why she knew about the trap door. That's my theory. (laughs) She knows keeping them safe. Agreed. Well, and to like further your point, there's a point in that song where she sings, because I knew you. And then the chorus behind it says, um, no one mourns the wicked is like the separation of the two worlds. Uh-huh. Exactly. So I, I agree. And then also in that, Alphaba also is singing under that with her. hmm So, yeah. No. 
I completely agree with your point. Nothing to debate there. <laughs> nope, we're, on, we're, on, we're all on the same page. Um, but I want I want to say one of my favorite. The reason why Dancing Through Life is also one of my favorites, not just because of the dance number, is I think I love a good number. It's like I love nonstop in Hamilton because everyone has a line. Right. I know that doesn't happen in, in Dancing Through Life specifically, but I like that it jumps characters and shows mm-hmm. us them all like getting ready for the dance and like talking about each other. I just love that. I love when a show does that. That to me shows a really good storyteller who is like, I know I need to do this to advance my plot. Right. Because also who wants to see a scene of these people talking and then going and talking over the hair? Like, let's just have a, a musical number. Right. I love it. Uh, the transitions in that show, don't even get me started on the technical aspects because <clears throat> when, uh, when the iron... Um, not like, I want to call them slides. I should know what they're called because I went to theater school, but they're on wheels and they like, they just will, they'll roll across the stage and like, that's how we switch a room. Ah, beautiful. It's so simplistic. And it's like, we don't even really need any other set piece. We just did that transfer while someone was walking and it's beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful. You know what? I absolutely love about the musical and the score is um, how often they repeat a certain. Well, they a lot of musicals do this. It's a, uh, it's a they repeat a theme, but it's the unlimited theme. And I, you know what the unlimited theme is, right? Do I know the unlimited theme? Okay, well, I'm, I'm obsessed sorry, with yeah, yeah. this show. I want to be <laughs> in it someday. Um, I'm sorry, I asked. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> um, where did I write it? Hold on, where um, it shows up again. No one mourns the wicked. It shows up in dear old shiz at the end where she runs in for her beginning. The wizard and I, Defying gravity. All these other songs. But did you know that the yes. unlimited theme is played in the minor key, the entire musical until. She makes Nessa Rose walk, and then it's played in the major key for the first and only time. I did not know that. But did you know that that theme is also the first seven notes of Somewhere Over the Rainbow? Okay, yeah, now it makes sense. Yeah. That, yep. that, I thought you were going to ask say that, and I was like, of course I knew that. because well, I did it. <laughs> Well, that's okay. We're allowed to know different things. Yeah, I, like, I didn't know that it was played in the minor and then it was played in the major. I had no idea. That's also no, right, right. a change. I love it. I absolutely love it. Do you do you hear that over there by your house? Because that's my mind blown about the first seven notes of <laughs> Somewhere ne- Over the Rainbow. I didn't know that anywhere. Um, <sighs> yes. Stephen no, Schwartz. If you, if you think this sing or read any music or have any idea of musical theory (laughs) um but so for the people who are listening to this steven schwartz has said yes it is the first seven notes of somewhere over the rainbow but i forget exactly how it's played it's like it's not the same key clearly um right 
but it is only the first seven because the minute you do that eighth note is when someone can say, hey, you copied my song. Hmm. And even though, Cop- like, it might be the first seven notes, but it can be played in different rhythms and everything, but it is still a play on um, on Somewhere Over the Rainbow to pay homage to The Wizard of Oz, which is freaking cool. I love it. And this is why he makes all the big bucks. Yes. This is why he gets paid. <laughs> we're, we're, we're mere mortals. Yes. <laughs> um, let me... I also like, in tune with the unlimited theme, is it's always I'm unlimited until defying gravity where she's like, shit, shoot, sorry, trying not to cuss. Shoot, I'm limited. <laughs> I'm trying to not have a potty mouth. It's very hard. No, I understand because I'm like, if when this goes, like, other people listen to it, oh, I, no, don't, I don't want to. I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to look like I curse like a sailor. Yeah. It happens. It does. Occasionally, we might get into a topic where I get super passionate about something and something might come out and I apologize ahead of time. And I probably will apologize right after it happens because I'm I don't want to. Right. I but I love so what do you want to talk about next? We can talk about the awards. We can talk about its road to Broadway, including um, like it's starting the national tours, all that good stuff. Or we can go through the songs a little bit more and say what we like and what we don't like, stuff like that. What if we do songs like in order? Let's do them in order. Okay. Works for me. All right. First song. Overture. Beautiful. Oh, my God. Like, just, uh, okay, we're going to, we'll talk about scenic elements while we talk about these songs. Right, right. No one more, well, Overture. The dragon on the top of the proscenium starts breathing air out of its nostrils, eyes turn red. I think that is one of, like, the dragon literally has nothing to do with the show. It does. It's, it's the so, clock. It's the dragon clock. So but, it's supposed to keep yes. track of like wicked time. And since this but is it, like, the story, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, that's all it has to do. Like, if, you, if you've never seen the show before or know anything about it, the show opens up the like the first chords and you go, what, what? is that thing? What am I about to see? Like if I were somebody who has never seen or heard of Wicked, I would probably be like, wait, am I actually here to see Game of Thrones? I'm confused. <laughs> and then you get um, the flying monkeys. Well, they're not flying yet at this point. You get the monkeys out and it's like, what? what am I really seeing? But then we get, and the overture is the first time we hear the unlimited, unlimited, unlimited theme. And I, it's beautiful. It is, ugh. And then, ugh, I honestly, one of my favorite parts of No One Mourns the Wicked is when the music goes from being very legato and slow into being very, I, it, yeah, I'm I'm like, what is that term? Whatever. But it speeds up and leads into everyone doing that goodness. I think it is a beautiful, a beautiful scene going from here's my overture into the beginning of the show. I love when overtures and first songs do that. Absolutely love it. Can we talk and about I, the fact that the beginning part of the musical that we see is referenced throughout the entire musical with the line... Uh, 
there's going to be a celebration throughout Oz that has to do with me. And we, that's the first thing that we see. Yep. And it, it is a celebration about her, but it's about her being dead. <laughs> that's the way she wanted it. <laughs> hey, she didn't say what she wanted to do. She just said there would be a celebration and she was, they delivered. It was going to be about her. At, yeah. They did what she wanted. Um, And then I like, I love that song because it's like, hi, here's our ensemble. Right. They can look at our ensemble. Let's showcase them. Like, I love that. It, it showcases your ensemble right away. Indeed. And I, Wicked is one of the shows that I can fully say there have been times that I, it's like, who cares about the leads? Let me watch the ensemble. Especially in a show like Wicked where it's choreography is off kilter and like quote unquote weird looking because they're trying to convey a style throughout all of it. Right. But it's one of those that's like, I'm going to watch the ensemble because you're I can tell you're so good. This is also coming from the person that is the, the ensemble of every show I see. Oh yes. I love an ensemble. Oh, I, love I love it. it. You guys Sometimes are unsung heroes. Yes. Right. Uh, if you, and I fully believe if you do not have a strong ensemble record, your show is not going to be as successful as you want it to be. Um, I agree. And there's one specific case that I agree to, but it's not this musical. So I'll save it for a different day. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I also I like... It, I won't. <laughs> I mean, you can probably guess what it is. It's fairly yes. obvious. <laughs> yes. If anyone it's knows me. Dangerous. Um, <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I also liked Let's about... talk about the ensemble in that show because they're extremely important throughout that show. Yes. It's going to be a love letter to the ensemble, so stay tuned to that one. Oh, yeah. So why do you like No One Mourns the Wicked? For me, as someone who has not studied any sort of musical theater or music theory, I'm just a huge fan. It produces a not a weird emotion but I don't know like it makes me it's sends chills down my spine like when Lynn and I saw it in New York we were like oh, okay we've seen Wicked we haven't seen it in New York let's just see it we have like we we got cheap tickets nosebleed section um we weren't gonna pay big bucks to see it but it was still a show we wanted to see and going in we're like okay it'll be a good show we've already seen it and then when the music started, Lynn and I looked at each other and went, what? <laughs> like, it was like we were seeing it all over again. So that's one, I mean, mm -hmm. so I think a lot of it is rooted in that memory of Lynn and I pooping our pants <laughs> and the mezzanine at the Gershwin. <laughs> because oh, yeah. we're like, holy cow, like, yes, we saw it two years ago, but I think it changes every single time you go to the theater because you change and you bring different meanings to it. So in that sense, it's like, oh, we're going through this musical again that I know that's familiar, but with different feelings and connections. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, also, I also like a good setup and Glinda sets up the story so well as her as a narrator, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Yes. So, yeah, that's my my oh, two cents. And then we don't really need a, a dear, dear old shiz is cool, but it is 
if you ask me, it is strictly there for Elphaba's entrance. It is there for Elphaba's, and it's it it's there to move us back in time. Right. It is there to give Elphaba an entrance, but it is also there to give Glinda a costume change. <laughs> it sure is. Um, I also think it's there to for like the more of the thematic reasons to illustrate like the difference in classes and how like different class structures interact. So dear old Chiz, I always took it as like a hoity-toity high society school, like the Ivy League of the yeah. Oz. And so it's... Because hi, we're the rich people from... Who knows? Uh, right. And I, then, can, I can't even tell you where Glinda's from right now and it's sad, but then it's like, haha, look at you munchkins that are at Chiz. Right. So... Right. Yeah. Yeah, so it just kind of shows how, like, people of high society kind of upturn their nose to different members of class, which is, like, an important setup, but it's really subtle, and I do agree, like, the song doesn't hold a whole lot of importance, but boy, does the next song do. (laughs) Wow, do. (laughs) Very (laughs) good grammar. Um, The Lizard and I, my favorite song. The Wizard and I. <laughs> I there's so many reasons I like it, but like when I was taking notes when I was going through the song, um, I noticed that was the first song where Alphaba was noticed for doing something quote unquote good, and so she's like, "Oh, okay, like I have powers that other people don't have, and that makes me good." Um, and then she like envisions in her mind of how the wizard and herself will interact with each other and what's really interesting is she makes a point to say well maybe the wizard will degreenify me like that's something mm-hmm. I might want and then like right off the bat she's like well that's not important all right why not I think there's two ways to take that one way is her seeing like it's truly not important and being secure, which is the less likely one, I think. But the second, and she eventually grows into that. But the one at that point in time does show her insecurities of being green. Oh, yeah. And just kind of throws in, oh, it's not important. And then goes, all right, why not? Um, so I think that's a good way to groundwork of her insecurities of being green because up to this point, She's not been treated well. She's she's the odd one out in that one. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then the unlimited yeah. theme at the very end. Like, come on. Come on. It's so good. But, uh, and like, that's the key change. Um, she does the unlimited theme, but then we get into the celebration throughout Oz. It's that's got to do me. And like, that key change, I just love and it. And then it stays that's, elevated. That's- yes. Yes, oh, beautiful. <sighs> That's why she will hit the with me, and I just get Tears. goosebumps. Oh, yeah. Usually. I should say I usually get goosebumps. Depends. Yeah, that's going to go into that. <laughs> no, I, I want to keep that opinion off the pod. Fair enough. I agree. There's, there's some things we can discuss. Among friends. <laughs> Among friends. We won't talk about that. That's fair. But Yes. I, mm. Oh, God. And at the end, like, holy cow. That's right? And that's also her big... Not, that's her hello number. This is who I am. And it's also her 
one of her I want numbers. I think she has at least two, maybe three I want numbers. Yeah. But Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, but this is the big like this is the this is number the... of look what I look at my vocal range. Oh yes. Uh, mm. The first one. The, the first, first one. one. Yeah. First, because it just be goes real. up from there. All of Alphaba's numbers go. Let me go one step higher for you, okay? <laughs> or after Act One, that was high. Let's go one step lower. Yeah, just let's, just let's, one let's, step let's show lower. you the low notes. Yes, no, I agree. And then, how do you feel about um, what is this feeling? Oh, I absolutely love what is this feeling. I think it it shows it shows the drama that. Is going to it shows drama that would occur between two college roommates to begin with, right? But then it really shows you like the difference between Glinda and Alphaba, and like you said, how different classes see each other because Glinda's all uppity, uppity, mumsy, and popsicle, and like Glinda's like, Dad, what's up? Right, like, sorry, and, I've, I screwed up, of course. Of course, I will care for my sister. Where Glinda is, of course, I'll rise above everybody. Like you knew I was going to because I'm from the Northlands. I took that lyric very different. Yeah. This is interesting. So, I oh, took, I took that lyric as I will rise above the circumstance I am given and still be a good person because that's how you would like me to respond. Uh, no, I think it's well. That's your opinion. And when <laughs> that also could be it. But I still think it's like I'm hoity toity. Of course of course I'm gonna be she like Glinda thinks that she's smart and has powers. Right. And I think or could that's be thought to have like, powers. Look, parents, I I am this good, like everything you believed in me. Because like we don't know Glinda's parents, like we know Alphabas. Right. But I feel like Glinda's your stereotypical, like, my parents think so highly of me all the time. Right. I come from a very wealthy, like, legacy family in a different sense than Alphaba does. But. Right. Yeah. She's a ditz and doesn't have magical powers. And this is like. Like, let's look at her bubble, people. It's made out of iron. (laughs) You it's not a real bubble. Imagi- you're supposed to use your imagination. Um, I know, but you always can see them on Hooker. That is- it's like a bubble, but <laughs> also, I don't need to talk about that. it's also the clock face of like if it was a grandfather clock. The like, I know, the but like really that I know like we're one or the like, other. Are you in that? Though? I know that. I know that time is of the essence in this show, and like here we're in wicked time. We're going backwards in time. Yada yada yada. But, like, sure, is she really arriving by bubble when it's she's arriving in the clock? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wish they, and I know, like, it's not like she can really come by a bubble. But I at least think that they not could economy. figure out a different rigging system. For getting her out of it. And like I understand. I, I've never been in the bubble. It starts up so high up. Yes. But I don't know. I always like that's the one. I, I one hate the show when I can see someone get unhooked from a harness. 
and we see her get unhooked because she doesn't do it herself. Someone else comes up and does it. Yeah, because it's in the small I think of her back. But I think if she did it herself, it'd be so much easier. I don't know. That's just that we we didn't need to go on that rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> and yet here we are. It just happened. It happened. But we might go on a but different one. I love I love the harmonies in what is this feeling. I love the use of the ensemble in that number. Oh yeah. Because that's also showing how classes treat each other and how people want somebody who is stereotypically the most beautiful looking. Right. right. And, and this how is like outcast. I think it's beautiful. Okay, agreed. I also think this is interesting cuz I again work at a theater and I work with people who do not like Wicked. And they say, well, it's two friend, two people who hate each other and then they become friends. It's like a classic girl fight musical. And I don't agree, but I mean, I, I can't see with this song because this song's about them hating each other. And you see semblance of them growing past that in the musical, but you really do have to pay attention to see it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Next song. Something bad. Oh, don't okay, I love this one because um we've discussed this the other day. The I love it for the amount of rhymes in this song. Oh yeah. I love a, a song with good rhymes. You're, you're a good rhyme, but yeah. Like, um a professor from Quark's is o- who's only a fox like that enough to give pause to anyone with pause um they they also rhyme teach and screech and i i just love it i love it and i love that this is the song that dr dilliman is becoming a a goat again well he right. is a goat right. not talking cuz all he's the losing bad. his rights yeah he's slowly losing his rights yeah. And I always am like, I oh, to this day, I still wonder sometimes, like, is the actor that's playing Dr. Dillman really doing that good of a bath? Because sometimes it's like good. extremely good. And I right. want to believe that that's a sound effect. But man, the person, the sound guy playing or woman, the sound person hitting that button at the perfect time is absolutely amazing. If it's true, it also could be played on a piano if it's tracked correctly. Right. Because a lot of musicals do that. Mamma Mia. So (laughs) not to shout out um, anyone, not to shout out anybody, but I learned that recently. Um, So I don't know, but I I just, that's like, that's like a, I would say, that's a guilty pleasure song because I like that song, but it's like, if you put, if I would say that's in my top five, people might be concerned about me. Right. It's one of those. I like the beautiful jam. It sure is. I like the song for like two reasons. Um, One of it being like, it highlights so much about Elphaba, the wizard and the political climate. in Mm -hmm. Wicked. Um, so, like, when Elphaba says, like, oh, that's why we have a wizard, and it couldn't happen here, kind of highlights her rose-colored view of the world and exceptionalism. So, like, for uh-huh. a lot of people think that the book and the musical 
Uh, well, the book was written post Gulf War, and the musical was written post 9/11. So a lot of it does have to deal with like American politics at that time. So it couldn't happen here. It kind of reflects on America's past and sort of current climate of American exceptionalism of like, oh, this doesn't happen here. But yeah, can we talk definitely. about how brilliant the placing that song right before Dancing Through Life, which gives you the exact opposite mm-hmm. message. Mm-hmm. Like, holy cow. I completely agree. Because you got this prince come in there that's like, let's live it up, man. Let's not think because... <laughs> that makes me worry too much uh-huh which is really sad because like I like to think that I'm very thoughtful and I pay attention to things but like right now in the, in this pandemic I'm at the point that I'm like I don't want to think about the pandemic because it makes me worry more and I don't want to worry that much because yeah. that's not good for me yeah no I'm in the same boat there with you dude I'm no news after 5 p.m. for me. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, and it's I – only, I only let myself check, like – I only let myself read articles about it a few times a day. Right. Not my entire day. And I'm somebody – if it's – they're talking about it on the radio, I switch it. I have to if switch when it I put on, on the TV, I let myself watch, like, Good Morning America or something to get it. Right. But that's only for like a few minutes before I start live with Kelly and Ryan because I'm apparently obsessed with that show. That's for a later conversation. We're learning so much about you. And yet I, I, are we surprised? Yes. I love a good talk show. Um, but also, da- yeah. Dancing Through Life is where we get that famous witch hat. Yes. Ugh. And is, it, isn't it sharp? Don't you think? Beautiful. Like, it's, oh, it's got the point. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, I, I love Fierro's entrance getting into that song because it's showing privilege. You it's also showing like his white pants. <laughs> I love Fierro. Everyone, my car's name is Fierro, and it's, spark, it's a sparkly green color. Are we surprised? No. But it when he comes, he is sitting in the back of a carriage to come in. Lounging. He's not lounging. He's lounging. He's, he, honestly, when he comes in, he looks like he's a hungover frat boy. Yeah, that's fair. Which his personality that is given during Dancing Through Life is that oh yeah i'm here he wants to immediately go out and party oh yeah immediately so yeah which then it gives you like to me like i mean i love fiero and i love glinda but if i was someone who didn't that as a as an audience member i would be like who is this dude you've got to be kidding me but then you right. see that spark that Alphaba then has with him, and it's like really? afterwards, it's like, wait, what? Okay. Oh, uh, I don't know. I just I love dancing through life. It's beautiful. Gives your ensemble, your dance ensemble, good showcase. Dance dance yeah, that I am taking. Shout out to Broadway Weekends, but I've been taking dance classes with them online throughout this pandemic, and I have done 
they've had two wicked classes and I've taken it and we've done dancing through life. And I have been like, yeah, if I'm ever in the show, I will not be a dance ensemble member because I cannot do this dance. It is, let me tell you, the fastest eight counts I think I've ever had a dance really? to. And as I said before, like their its choreography is like unkiltered right. and it's weird because it's for a certain style. And let me tell you that number specifically. Well, that's probably why it makes it hard to learn because then it, it doesn't feel natural probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've already told if we feel off balanced while doing the dance. You good, just gotta that's live with it. <laughs> that's the point of it. And I was like, okay. Which then kind of is like, well, if I'm supposed to be unbalanced through the song about dancing through life, it's really kind of like showing you like, huh, sometimes you just have to like get through this. It's not going to be perfect. Right. Well, yeah. Well, what's and also, I just love it. So well, when you mentioned earlier, break. like the, the quote, like we deserve each other. Mm-hmm. My thoughts on that quote even within the confines of the song is again the idea of like they're both upper class so therefore they deserve each other oh yeah and they both come off as being shallow yeah i was like where's the love shallow shallow and privileged Uh uh-huh because he's a winky prince and she's a wannabe princess like when it also starts like two different love triangle no not too new one love triangle and one person trying to get into that love triangle throughout the show yes yes so let's exactly yes. off glinda elf and Fiero. poor bach yeah but you gotta take a hint man like i'm sorry i know he just doesn't get it like after she calls you the name wrong name multiple times man you just need to like let it go let it peace go. out right. <laughs> like you're not worth it right um but then like the end the dance break section leads in like alphabet comes to this party where she was told the black hat was cool and hip and it was not and it was basically well and the, the one thing that i think is interesting like sure it's supposed to act as the school's dance but nowhere is it like it's the school's dance everyone's invited when you would think that it would just be like Fiero and his friends, and why did Alphabet get invited anyways? Like, right. That's something I've I've always been thinking about, and most recently while re-listening to it religiously over the past few days. It's like, why did she actually come? We all know it's mainly because she wanted to see Fiero, right. and then she does her weird dance, and that for me, I love it because. She's doing the weird dance and Glinda realizes, oh my gosh, I gave her that hat. Now she looks extremely weird. I'm going to go join in. Well, that's, well, that's, I love, and that's a big turning moment for her. But she does that after Madame Morble says, hey, she's not going into this class unless you go. So I guess you're in kid. Yeah. And that starts the whole like, oh. I need to be nice to her because she's actually probably a good person. Oh, yeah. And, but, yeah. It also, she could have just done that to be like, hi, um, I'm going to make myself look better by dancing with a weird kid who is also my roommate. True. Which leads us into popular. Which I, I love. Ugh. 
another song with good rhymes. I I just can't get over the rhyming. I love a good rhyme, especially in music. Um, but the, <laughs> Glinda, I think I love this. I probably really love this song because we always see the videos of Christian Chenoweth performing it. And like Christian mm-hmm. Chenoweth is weird. I'm not going to lie. She's weird. <laughs> That's why she was perfect for Glinda because in this, in this song, Glinda acts really weird. Mm-hmm. with the weird like kicks off the bed the weird leaps right. and it right. kind of like this is the song that it's always like sure yeah you're you're popular glinda but like why you're weird i mean when you think about it because does she act this way in front of everybody else and she just is the toss toss in front of everybody else but we don't see her leaping around the stage being a theater kid in front of other people <laughs> all the time like we yeah. don't see that but in this number she is serving it right and it works and i i love it i will always hold popular so close to my heart because yeah glinda's like look i'm weird but i'm popular like me just not quite as popular. yeah well i like it too um it's interesting like excuse me I feel like towards the end of the song, I get the semblance of, like, it's all about, she's giving her shallow things to be popular about. Like, oh, it's about looks and the way you're viewed. It's not about brains. And at that point, I think Elphaba doesn't buy into that. She's like, okay. Well, true. But also, clearly, all that we have been shown is that that is the reason why Glinda is popular. Right. So she's saying... Like, I will, I don't know why the you'll be good at sports line is in this song <laughs> because they, I have not seen that Glenda's good at sports. True. She's, but at like, who knows? She might be a soccer prodigy. I don't know. I'm not shown that. But right. it's like, hey, this is the reason I'm popular. I look like this. Etc. Etc. Right. I do this. That's why she takes her hair out of the braid, puts the lipstick on. It's like this is what I do to be beautiful. But let's be real. When that hair comes out of that braid, it's like, oh no, it's time to get a new wig for the rest of the show. Because <laughs> the hair just, just doesn't look good after it comes out of the braid. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's the same wig. I don't think so. No, no, no. Okay. But you would be surprised at how many times characters change wigs. Yeah, this is also true. That look exactly the same. Because sometimes, like, I'm not sure. Um, but, like, sometimes with wigs, you can't, if, like, if you're wearing a hat or something, instead of the the piece to like put it sometimes the piece could be on your wig right to put the headpiece on stuff right. like that right it just depends so but there's like there's a lot of wigs involved oh yeah side note apparently it's good luck to have seven wigs made of the main character oh apparently it's an, yeah so apparently there's like a superstition 
and it's supposed to like pay tribute to the direction. So like the four cardinal directions up and down and then the inward direction. I forget where I read it, but apparently like back in the time of Shakespeare, if you were a principal character, the main character, they made seven wigs for you hmm. for that reason. That's very interesting. I've never heard that. I don't think they do it today because that would be stupid. A expensive. lot of money. Yes. But we do love a good wig feature. I do. Oh, I love wigs. Um, popular, then do you have I'm any not- other opinions on popular? No, I mean, it's... It's a good song. Not my favorite. Not my least favorite. It's it's a good piece it's within itself. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I'm not I'm not that good. Oh gosh. Uh it's just beautiful. It that is a beautiful ballad that everyone just needs to listen to because it's a Alpha. I don't it's a I feel less than and who hasn't felt less than in their life? Like Come on. But then it's also like, I think I like it because it's like, yeah, I feel less than. But um, the lyrics of don't lose sight of who you are. Who you are, right. Is like, do not, be, just because you feel less than, don't go change yourself. Which right. She's like, sit, she had sit sat with the popular. She's right. just sat through popular, and it's like, I'm not going to change myself. To fully be that. I mean, the next scene, we see her with a freaking flower in her hair. Right. In her ugly shiz uniform. <laughs> but. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The, it, when your costume is that black and your skin is that green, you should not be wearing bright it's white. It's not black. It's, <laughs> it's navy. <laughs> I know, but like the rest of her is, uh, I just can't. I can't. Well, that, that's the maybe, point. Is, maybe like, class looks odd. I know, but like she already looks odd because her her green skin. I didn't need it's that ugly white jacket. I hate that white jacket. Yeah, I know you do. It's like my one costume piece of that show that I absolutely hate. <laughs> it's the one that if you could kick it to the curb and be, <laughs> that would be it. Yeah. Go check the girl behind the Gershwin because it's there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, uh, I love I'm Not That Girl. What a, also, like. Is that the one that. <sighs> so good. Above, up above the walk, uh, the walkway, Fierro and Glenda walk across to. So yes. beautiful staging as well. Beautiful staging. For the staging of the reprise, too. Because mm-hmm. it sets up the reprise and its importance. Oh, yes, definitely. And then we get into One Short Day, which is, like, I feel like each song is, like, emotion, heartfelt, and then upbeat, and then heartfelt, and then upbeat. So it's following that emotional line path. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I love, I, I love how, in this song, this is another, like, turning point for Glinda. Right. But it also then is also questioning, like, are you just going with her? Because you want to meet the wizard too. Status, right. Or do you want to go? Like, I also find it interesting that Alphaba invites her. Right. 
Well, because I think Alphaba, before even Glinda starts liking Alphaba, I think Alphaba... Alphaba doesn't hate Glinda. And ever... I don't know. Because after she gives her the hat, like, Alphaba's not dumb. And she's like, she probably did that on purpose to make me look dumb. But then once Glinda started dancing with her, she's like, okay, maybe she's not a terrible person. And then popular happened. So I think Alphaba's trying because that's who Alphaba is. She's not. Yeah. I mean, she is. She can't be. Right. And then. But then the lyrics at the end were just two friends, two good friends, two best friends. I. Like, I want to believe it. But I also am like. But Glinda, you've shown me that this is fake. But so, I, uh, interesting. I that just made me think of something. I think up to that point, Glinda probably hasn't had a friend, and Elphaba's probably the only friend that she's ever had truly that's close. Yeah. So I think that's her saying, like, "Oh, so this is what a friendship is." Whereas the other people that we see be her friends, they want like to gain something. Yeah, you're Glinda. Right. This is probably the first friendship she has where people don't want to use her or she doesn't want to use them to achieve some sort of societal status. Yeah, exactly. And then it's the perfect... I think One Short Day is the perfect lead into meeting the wizard. Oh, absolutely. Because it reminds me of, like, the structure of... Uh, Merry Old Land of Oz. Whereas they yeah. get there, when they finally get in, it's like a big party. Everyone That's talks cool to them. They see everything. Oh, time to meet the wizard. We're into the Wizard of Oz. They're like, no, you may not meet the wizard. But in Wicked, she has an appointment already. So, like, of course, they right. see the wizard. So that's why I like and it. Then, and then we go straight into meeting the wizard and into Sentimental Man. Honestly, not one of my favorite songs, but it is an important setup to the song that follows. Yes. I completely um, agree. It's so one that I skip on my runs. Right. So it's it's the first time we are introduced to the wizard, who he is not the one at the very beginning. Um, like, physical yes. wizard. Um, Just to let then, you all know that it's played by an ensemble member. It is sung by the actual wizard. The wizard but played by an ensemble member. But it no is one played like wishes. a young man. Right. Which Not is hilarious. Oh, well, yeah, because yeah. you can't have a young ensemble voice that could be drastically different from the wizard and then hear the wizard's voice and go, who's huh? that? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So it make, makes sense. Um, but it's the first time we see the wizard from what we know him as and what we know the voice as. Um, yes. And then this is also where we're first introduced to the lyric, everyone deserves the chance to fly, which is a well-known lyric to a very particular song, but I don't know. It's just interesting setup of the Wizard of Oz and like sort of knowing who he is, but at the same time going, oh, that's interesting. Like he's giving off a perception and persona of, oh, I'm the good guy. And at this point, with all the information given, that's all you know. And we believe it. Except for if you're but that then person, it like, no, you're, yeah. Unless you're that person, you're like, no, you cheated 
on someone who is yeah. married, you're not a good person. And yes. I would say that person is right. Like they have a good radar, but at this point, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I agree. I agree. And then I don't know. There's a after this sentimental man song, you go straight into the closing of Act One. But a lot happens between that song and Defying Gravity. So when you're just listening to um, yeah, past album, you're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. I agree. It's that it's a pivotal scene, right? Which is why it's a scene and not a, a song. song. Exactly. It would be a really hard song to do. I agree because it's like emotionally deep. And serious. Right. And it's... Why don't we just take a moment to talk about that scene? Because it is, like, an important scene and one of the underlying themes of Wicked, which is, like, animal rights. One of them being, like, the treatment of, like, Dr. Dillman and different um, animals with throughout the Wizarding World. Not Harry mm-hmm. Potter, of Oz. Um, <laughs> they, sorry, that's how my mind works. Um, having social status... And then mm-hmm. with this scene in particular is when Alphaba reads a spell book to give the uh, Wizard of Oz monkey wings and unknowing monkeys. <laughs> Shh, I'm trying. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> um, gives him the chance to fly. Um, and then, unknowing to her, she just made an entire army of monkeys who are in pain, and she hates it, but the wizard loves it. Who are made. Spy on anyone who wants. Go ahead. No, I stopped because your mic, I didn't realize your microphone was skipping. You were in the middle of a oh, sentence. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, um, what was I saying? Oh, I was just saying, like, it's just a pivotal scene for animal rights. And, like, the, you finally see the wizard being, oh, this guy's nuts. He's trying to keep power by keeping, giving monkeys wings to spy on parts of Oz that he thinks he could lose power in. Yes, which is terrible. But common. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, yeah. It's sort of, there's, I've read some articles as I was preparing for this podcast about how, like, the stripping of rights of animals like Dr. Dillamond illustrate slightly and given a little nod back to what happened to the Jews during World War II. So, like, they lose rights, mm-hmm. um, again, like, back to Oz, the animals lose rights of being able to work, Jews lose the rights to work. Um, and then in Oz, they lose the right to, they don't lose the right to speak. They can't speak in Europe. Um, same thing. And then eventually being put into cages like we saw with the lion. Yeah. yeah. So, Which yeah, is this so guy, sad. No and this is like, that scene is also, if I, I should be remembering correctly, is when she finds Dr. Dilliman right there, right? No, yes. she finds him in the, yes. It's there. She finds him in the field. I think. It should be. She, he's at in Oz right. as well. Doesn't and she, she like twice? Like in the second time he can't even speak. Yes, but I feel like I can't. 
tell you when that happens, which is really sad. But I want to say it's like this scene is there. I know it needs to flip and tour here. Get don't get me started. I need Broadway to open. Love you. I know it can't, and I understand. But I I know. We still, this is why we're doing this podcast. We love you. We miss you. Ah, come back. Or just an intermission. Yes, just an intermission. Or this is your intermission entertainment. Yes, a very long podcast. (laughs) Okay, so defying gravity. Best. I will fight anybody. It is the best act one finale. It seals it with a beautiful kiss of lovely, harmonized notes from the ensemble and the belt of whoever is playing Elphaba. And that blackout is like the easiest blackout to do because the background is already black because of Elphaba flying. Right. The minute the chords change and we get to the end when she flies, one of the most beautiful music moments of this show. So good. And tech moments of the show. It will always be, I mean, I cry during I'm Not That Girl. Right. But I cry every single time I see Defying Gravity in person. Every flipping time. Because it's beautiful. We've also had this conversation about this song in particular, about one of my goals. I don't see the show every time it comes in town because I've been an idiot. Um, But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there, have okay. been, there have been um, instances either in New York on the road or wherever they're at where they have a no-fly show where for some reason the cherry picker that Elf was in does not work and if it I guess they do like a pre-show check if it works cool and then she actually has to I guess lock herself in and if it doesn't lock it doesn't go again safety yeah. rules I would love uh, to know how that actually works I've watched because a few it's videos not like- and one of them with Stephanie J. Block, and it's just, it's, a lot of it is draped, of course, in black um, material, and once she hits the back piece, it closes around her, and if it doesn't close around her, the machine knows not to go. Okay. And then, well, I really... Well, it's a great way to end the act, too, because it's finally, she's like, I don't care what everyone else says. I'm going to do what I know is right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And uh, then... And then we have a 15-minute intermission. Everyone runs to the bathroom and pees as quickly as they can. Mm-hmm. And then we come back to Thank Goodness, and I like this song especially at the top of Act 2, because it mirrors No One Mourns the Wicked. Yes. Yes. So that's a great, like, I like circle. it. Yes, it's another celebration. It's another, I wouldn't say it's not a celebration until Glinda's part, but right. Uh, so she thinks. Right. Um, but it's another, like, Elphaba told us in The Wizard and I, after I meet the wizard, there's going to be a celebration throughout Oz that's all to do with me. The reason they are gathering in them is to meet about Elphaba, but it's not to celebrate her. It is to say, hey, 
if you find her, let Get us her. know she's a criminal. <laughs> like, also, alive. it's also mentioned in A Sentimental Man, I believe. He mentions there will be a celebration. Yes. Yep. Um, and then, playing her, though. Yeah, different different circumstances. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then what well, I also noted was the little line, happy is what happens when all of your dreams come true. She says that three times. The first time you're like, yeah, she's happy. The second time and third time she sings it is after Fiero runs off and you get the feeling that not that she's not happy, but she knows Fiero. Well, so, yes, I agree. Uh, I have a note by this song as well that I really like. This song is another one that I think is a relatable song Mm -hmm. for more than just this show, but specifically the section of just Glinda after Fiero leaves. And that's why I couldn't be happier. No, I couldn't be happier. Though I admit the tiniest bit, unlike I anticipated, but I couldn't be happier. Simply couldn't be happy. It's one of those, like... Talking yourself up into... She she sold herself. She was like, I can be the good one if I say, screw my best friend. Right. And this is her being like, I'm trying to show everyone that I'm happy. Yeah, I'm I'm happy. I got my dream. My dream came true that I'm now Glinda the Good. Like... I'm going to be looked up to. I'm a public figure, but she's not happy. But especially, um, like the just that the section. I think it could it, like it works for all different aspects of like real life. Right. When we finally get something, and it's like, oh, I should be happy because I but got I'm my not. dream, right. but I'm not. Well, what's because- also interesting is like you see. Alphaba and Glinda make a choice in defying gravity and it's at the very beginning when Glinda pleads to Alphaba to like drop it you can still be with the wizard she's like nope can't tried sorry yeah so thank goodness is her living with the decision she made to not go with mm-hmm. Elfie yeah but uh, I don't know when Alphaba asks her in defying gravity and she like grabs onto the broom um there even when I was little I never Maybe it's because I know the story of the Wizard of Oz, but there was right. never like part of me that was like, oh my she's gosh, gonna she's going to go with her. I no. never thought that. Well, that's, that's where you sort of see like the internal struggle of eternal struggle. <laughs> I haven't said that since high school when I was writing a paper of Glinda <laughs> like struggling to be popular and likable or doing, I guess, the right thing. And it's a hard choice to make, and it's not something people mm-hmm. make all of a sudden. Like, oh, I'm going to be a good person by doing X, Y, and Z. It's a slow process, so you get to see the process of her growing a conscience, mm-hmm. making a conscience, something like that. But, like, she, I don't know. She's also, I, like, I love and hate that song because it's also then shows her when she's like, oh, we're here to celebrate me, and... My right. fiance, and it's like, girl. Well, Madame Moore will introduce that to sort of spin the story, and I yeah. guess up morale. But yeah. what's also interesting in this story is one of the lies and rumors that the townspeople say is 
water could melt her. And Fierro here. What? <laughs> melt her. Who told her? So, I, um, I, uh, wait, I mean, it made me think of like, hmm, was this an inside job? Did they all plan this? Right? Yes. Because <laughs> yes. they would believe it. Mm-hmm. I and love then, thinking. I, it's just so cute. Yeah. Plus, I really, I don't know, there's just something about that costume that Glinda wears that I have always loved. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not even a hat. She wears like, these like sparkly translucent gloves oh, yeah, I and I just <laughs> and like the neck piece is like it's like a halter but it's like a a halter with a collar I just, love it. <laughs> I just love it I love Glinda's costumes I hope one day I can wear them we'll see you got it gotta work on that soprano belt though so we'll see among other things hey Patty Mirren said she didn't know how to do it until she booked the part, and then she's like, "Who? I better learn soprano now." <laughs> and look at her yes. now; she's absolutely yeah. thriving. Oh, I love her. Love Patty Mirren. Yeah. She's somebody that I would love. This. We're not going to talk about that. We're talking about songs. Um, <laughs> We're on wonderful, which is right after. That's I think it's it's just interesting to me because. Like, Elphaba just ran... I know she didn't just run away. Like, we're, we skipped time. Has time has passed. Elphaba's doctor Girl, you on the run. And here you are... Um, to see the wizard. Talking to the man who made you angry. <laughs> and what, leave But the, there is a reason why she sees him. What? I can't remember. To try... I don't know. She probably goes back to try and talk some sense into him. Um, again, you get the unlimited theme, um, and then you get the whole wizard. I never asked for this. I was just blown here, and I get to spin history because I don't know. It's more, I guess, not adequate, but it's easier for him to control the story that way. Um, yeah. Again, we get a celebration throughout Oz. Drop, and then. It- links mm-hmm. back to one short day because it has a little bit of that festival type music oh yeah he becomes like a show yeah. boy yeah yep he becomes a show uh, boy. i don't know i'm just like not a huge fan of the wizard song so like i don't really it, it does serve a point. i understand that they're right. like it's not a song you're gonna put on your top yeah. five list yeah and it's not even a guilty pleasure. <laughs> but the next song like is... Like something bad. Oh, yeah. All right. So the next song is I'm Not That Girl, the reprise. Um, and then this time... Which is beautiful. Instead of singing it, it's Glinda that sings it. And I love that she put, like, she puts that Glinda high note, high soprano note spin on it. Whereas... Um, at, like the last note, and I'm not that girl is really so low. Right. I will let you all know that the majority of the time you hear it live, it's not the actual note. A lot of people can't actually hit that note that is written that Idina sings. Um, that's the truth. That's what I have found out. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, or both both okay 
I just know because well, I, I sang that song in voice lessons and like um it the sheet music has your like it's uh, sometimes sheet music has like a note, but then it's like if you don't want to do this one, here's the the other option to make sure you stay in the same key right. and everything. I love doing the low one though, but I also have a low voice, so it works. It's so- but anyways, I I just love it's a tiny little reprise, just a few lines, not mm-hmm. even a whole minute long, and it hits you right where it but hurts. It's beautiful. Yes, especially when you're a Fiero Glinda stan and you're like, yep, Fiero did just leave Glinda. He sure did. Now did she's that. not that girl. I I made a little note next to the song and it says high note at the end dot 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 hurt AF. <laughs> so we're on the same uh, page. Right? Uh, uh, but I just, I love that they let Glinda sing it high. It just makes it like that much better. It makes it so beautiful. Right. And the way that she sings, like when Alphaba sings, don't wish, don't start. I mean, it depends on your performance, but like the uh, specifically the don't wish, don't start. Mm-hmm. I don't think like on the original recording, Alphaba doesn't sound like she's going to cry. But when Glinda sings the don't wish, don't start, uh, specifically Kristen, I'm always like, is she crying for real? Because it sounds like she's crying and it's, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a great breakup song. Great breakup song. I love it. (laughs) Especially when she just was like, he's my fiance. And then we no, honey, he's not. (laughs) And it's the perfect that the transition from this reprise straight into as long as your mind chill it's so good because it's musically it is so so, so good and it's if it is more complex but it feels so effortless and it it's a way to connect the two stories and uh-huh i completely agree and they basically like walk right past Glinda oh, yeah. too, and I like that's a staging choice. And I'm like, I love this. <laughs> a choice was made here because we also know that we also know like she's not there right. with them. Right. It is just so like I just think it's beautiful. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. And the Fiero in that green shirt. I want to know it. how much the actor especially Fiero gets green on that green every shirt. Night. Oh, every night. I guarantee. I mean, I don't know because I've never worn MAC makeup, but I'm pretty sure they have it down to a science on how not to like, how someone who's very sweaty does not get that down to somebody. Right. Lipstick is a different question. Right. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if they have people from hair and makeup as soon as they go off stage to wipe Piero down to be like, all right, no more green. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because they're all over each other in that. And I like I am a sweaty person, so I would be like, yeah, it, it's fine. right, it's fine. And then it but also I'm not as long as you're mine. So good. Not the same transition from I'm not gir- not that girl to as long as you're mine, but going into no good deed, 
also one of my favorite songs. Because Elphaba is pissed and she's not here to mess around. Yes. Um, what was I going to say? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I also like the song because it's at that point where you're like, oh, Fierro's the Scarecrow. Oh, shoot. She did turn him into the Scarecrow for love. She's trying to protect him. And then it also, like, showcases. Yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. Every time Alphaba tries to do something good, she gets burned for it. So she's like, that's it. No more good deeds to anyone. Yeah. No more goods. Right. Exactly. And, well, and I... Because she mentions three... It also goes... um, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, she just, after she said... um, she mentions three people that she like tries to help and you get to like see like she wasn't able to help Nessa she wasn't able to help Dr. Dillman and then Fierro so she's like mm, I, that's it I'm out no more yeah well and especially like because this No Good Deed happens musically after uh, Wicked Witch of the East when she did like she helped she did what Nessa wanted her to do. And it was like a good thing. But then it was like Nessa turned and then made it a bad thing. And she tried helping Dr. Dillman. She didn't do magic with Dr. Dillman, but she tried to help him right. at least. And, he and then speak. he's still. He can't speak right. now. And so she's like, I, I have clearly failed in helping animals right now, especially because I've made an army of flying monkeys. Um, couldn't save the lion. Right. Um, so yeah, just a bunch of bad things. And then she's like, well, I really can't save Fierro unless I change him into a scarecrow. Like, he's not going to have bones. He's not going to have this. He will not feel pain. Right. I think it's also beautiful because she's like, I'm going to save you no matter what I do because I know I can't be with right. you right now because I can't find you. Do you think she so, knows she's turning oh, into a scarecrow? I love it. That, or, because I always took it as she's using the spell to make him, all of these benchmarks of let his bones never break, let him feel no pain, but I don't think she knows what she's turning him into because there's still that mysterious factor of the book and her not knowing a whole lot about, I guess being magical but at this point that's probably not true because it's been a few years out but I still think at the same point she may not know what she's doing I yeah I would say she doesn't know that she she knows that she's I would say she hopes that she is doing something for him but she doesn't know that he's turning him into a scarecrow she just like I'm looking at the lyrics right now to make sure I'm 100% but she wants to make sure that his flesh can't be torn his blood will leave no stain he can't feel pain, his bones won't break, and that they cannot destroy him. Right. So I don't think there's, I wouldn't think that she knows that she's, she's turning into a scarecrow. To... That is just what happens to him right. with this spell. Because we also can't read the Grimmery either. Uh, <laughs> I don't have magical powers. I can't read that language. Um, but I also, like, just looking at that now, I'm like, that's just so interesting that it was a scarecrow. Like, I get I get the Wizard of Oz um, that uh, uh, that uh, the Wizard of Oz series came first and he was a scarecrow. But like when you think about it, it's like 
really i mean the wizard of oz movie showed us that the thing that can actually destroy the scarecrow is fire because straw burns so i I just think it's interesting because it's like looking at the lyrics for no good deed he could actually be destroyed if they used fire but that's just a this is a side thing. Another <laughs> Stephen Schwartz couldn't have changed him into something else. It, he was stuck. Right. He was stuck right. as a scarecrow. So I get it. But I'm just like, oh, interesting, because right. I never would have thought that. But um, and then she even says, like, what good is this chanting? I don't, I don't even, even know, know what, what I'm reading. I don't even know what yeah. I have to do. She, she doesn't know what she is making him. She just is like, I just don't want you to die whatever I am now doing to you, I hope it's better for you than what I know the guards are going to do to you. So I love it. That uh, a great 11 o'clock number. Uh, And the way the steam, the, the, the light in the floor, the book and steam, it's beautiful. Yep. I shows you that little stage space can do a lot. Well, and then the next song is March of the Witch Hunters, which is sort of interesting because that's at the point where it meets the classic story of the Wizard of Oz with Dorothy being in Mm -hmm. the Wizarding. Yes. And I like like that it is giving, it gives the Bach, aka now the Tin Man, spoiler alert to everyone. We'll talk about this later. Well, we already mentioned it. We mentioned it when we talked about the song before. But I have um, actual notes for that song. <laughs> but um, it gives him a chance to be like, yeah, I want to fight back because she's the reason. Well, it's technically Nasa Rose's fault. But it's like, hey, look what she also did to this lion that was brought to our school. And it, it's showing that the people of Oz still don't mm-hmm. like her. Well, cause- and that she's still on the run. Yeah. She's still out there. Also, I love the harmony in that song as oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just love the little here we're gonna do the Wizard of Oz and that song, but also um here's a beautiful moment where we pull a curtain and here is the outline of Dorothy right. Gale. <laughs> I just love it. it leads into that too. But for good, but then that. Which going into for good is a weird scene, but it's needed. But also shows that Glinda's really ditzy. Yeah. yeah. But like... But I love it. I don't know. I like the beginning of For Good because it's... We're at this point, it's always been I'm unlimited. And now she's like, I am limited, but maybe you can help me. It's up to you. You gotta take up with it, sis. It's your turn. Yeah. But does Glinda do good? No, she just has the name. <sighs> She just ends up saying, I, I, that, I, I don't know. Again, I it's know. a big debatable um, topic. Like, I think she does good with the circumstances she's given at this point. Because this song is a big, like, let's clear the air and because yeah. you need to help me to make sure I don't get killed. And the same for Fiero. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I think it's, it's a beautiful, I don't know. I just love the song so many different reasons. Um, it's a beautiful, like, I know you're, I'm saying goodbye to you because 
if I remain your friends right now, I'm going to be killed coming right. from Glinda because Glinda's like, I've chosen my side. I have all the town, all the country really on my side. Right. I can't not do this. Right. Um, and then, um, yes. Right. And she doesn't want to do that because she's seen her best friend do that, go through it. And then it's like, this is goodbye. Thanks for doing this for me. And then Alphaba's like, I've done that, done this too, et cetera, et cetera. Let's do some beautiful harmonies. Beautiful. I just freaking love it. Straight into the finale, but into the last song of the cast album. Again, just connects straight back up to "No One Mourns the Wicked." They chant that again. Yes. Um, Glinda again hits high notes, very high notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we already talked about it earlier about the because I knew you and then no one mourns the wicked is like the separation of the two worlds that Glinda has to like toe the line with. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on the finale? I mean, it's a good wrap up song. Right. Nothing to add. Yeah. I mean, I talked about it before, so I don't but, I don't need to. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And then curtain call i love the curtain call it's cute doors open and i love that alphabet oh, yeah. and glinda come out and bow together you can't tell one story because they other. should if you ask me because i mean it's not uh, well and it's i've i've i think it's i forget what show it is but it's right. like whoever the narrator like right glinda's your narrator Without her, you wouldn't have the story. She's also, if you, right. I mean, she's one of the antagonists of the story. There's multiple in this show. Um, but and you also need, if without Alphaba, right. you wouldn't have the story for her to tell. So they have to come out together. They have the same amount. I mean, I would, I would say Alphaba has more work right. than right. Glinda does, show wise, time on stage wise. I agree. But it's it's all just as and important. And then remind me, have yes. we talked a whole lot I about the song it. The Wicked Witch of the East? We sort of glossed I mean at the beginning we I talked didn't a good that portion. part when we were just ranting. Well, I mean you can say <laughs> you can add whatever you have to say. Yeah, that was pre recording because oh, I was like, maybe Wait, it was I don't know. This is, we're now two hours dude. in, girl. I Okay, so the Wicked Witch of the East is the song Yes, yes. We did, yes. which just wasn't recording. <laughs> I, 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 now I'm having deja vu because I swear like that we slowly talked about it. to it because it's not in the cast album, but it is an <laughs> integral plot line of the story. And getting from one song to the next, you kind of need to know what happens in this song to understand why people turn up the way that they are. But essentially, Elphaba visits her sister, who's now yes. the mayor of Munchkinland, and yes. is slowly stripping away the rights of the Munchkin, Munchkin so she can stay with Bach. And... No, it still loves Glinda. He's still, still holding on Who to that. Who does not love her? <laughs> um, and you then love Nessa is so mad that she's there because she's like, you've never helped me, which is, first of all, rude. Um, For those of yes. you who don't know, um, Nessa cannot And that's walk. the whole reason Elphaba she went to wheelchair. She is handicapped. Not to be educated, but to help she, her sister. Yes. And that's why she writes the letter 
to say, like, of course, how cares Nessa is to this point. Um, but either way, Nessa Rose is sort of pissed. She Elphaba hasn't tried to use um, any of her powers to help her. And Elphaba finally says, fine, let's try it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's like, well, uh, I think this spell will work. And then she says it. It's like, it's one of my favorite parts, though, because like Nessa's sitting there in her chair with her sparkly silver shoes on. And she's like, my feet are burning. <laughs> like, not, not your feet know. are burning because How your sister's performing a spell in on you. In the middle of the scene. You just asked for it. Yeah, it's that's definitely lighting. But afterwards, because it's there's it's not a red light on. It. When you think about, I I don't remember if it happens. It's all light, because they're not supposed to be red. They're only red in the movie, like the Wizard of Oz movie. I thought they turned red. They um, are historically silver, sparkly shoes. They turn when right, right, right. when she fir- like when Elphaba's like saying the spell on top of them. They turn, they turn red, but that's like as a, they're, they're, they're turning red when her feet are like tingling and she's like, I can feel it. What's happening. Oh my gosh. What are you doing to me? And then when they make her walk, okay. like when she first gets up that step, it's cause they're like, she says like her feet are on fire okay. because they're burning because of, she's now having yeah, this I knew, power. I knew at the beginning they're silver. Yeah. She gets the, but otherwise they're yeah. silver. She but gets them in the beginning of the show. Circling and back to the limited theme, and we've t- we talked this, we talked about this before we recorded. But I am going to blow your mind again once more. Um, the unlimited theme is played in the minor key throughout the entire show, <laughs> and then this point is the only time that the unlimited theme is played in the major key when Elphaba finally uses her powers to help Nessa, and this is the only time. Which is know, and crazy. It's... Yeah. I get why. Still upset that it's not on the album. But but it's also that so Yeah. It's and let's talk about like uh this song also has has like this scene specifically has some of the most my favorite tech moments because you get when yeah. Alphaville pops up in the like cabinet door, that's and that screen, all of a sudden stuff. the door is now translucent. It's like what? Okay. Um, and you can see her in there, and her face is like bright green. I love it. She comes up. Then while the spell's happening, like whatever effect they're doing on the shoes yeah. is amazing. And I believe Nessa's chair like starts moving all over the place. On its own. I know stages have tracks on them. I'm not stupid. But I think it is magical when it happens. And then... And then... uh, The one... Like, I'm gonna... If I ever do, like, a Q&A with somebody from Wicked, my biggest question is how do they get the tit Bach to be the Tin Man so fast? Is it a double? Because he, I know he walks behind the cabinet, but I'm always like, is that just a really quick costume change? Because that can happen. Or is, does another, does like his understudy that is in the ensemble, like play the Tin Man just at the end of that scene? 
And then after, because right. then he gets rolled off stage by Nessa in her wheelchair because he's like, can't do anything. Well, I think he gets up and then it's like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? And then he takes off running. It's like, is that then when the real Bach is then made into the Tin Man? I don't know. I just have, like, I have so many questions about that scene and oh, it, God, it's just beautiful to me. I need to see Wicked again. <laughs> <laughs> this is really what this podcast is telling me. Something we say I need to see Wicked again. Yeah. But that's okay. I want to keep my numbers going. Alrighty. So oh, we, got, yeah. we went through all of the songs of the cast album. Went through a little bit about the history. Anything else you want to speak your fancy on? Um, We could just... Quickly, like, I want to just quickly mention some people that I would love to see to this part live. Not my dream cast, but, like, of people who have already done this show, I'm going to keep it to, um, okay. I, I'm going to keep it to only two people per part. That's what I'm doing. I would personally like to see live. uh, These are live. I want to be in, in, in the room when they do it at center orchestra. Nah, at the air off, I want to be uh, okay. first row of the loge in the center. <laughs> Bessie, especially when she flies, just to let you all know. <laughs> um, I, for Alphaba, I want to see Lindsay Mendez and um, Katie Levi. We all knew those were my answers anyways. <laughs> those, are, <laughs> those are the two people for Alphaba. Yes. Um, for Glinda, I want to see um, Patty Murin and Gianna Duvall. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I want to see Casey Levy and Patty Murin off of yes. and yes. Glinda. Yes, agreed. <laughs> um, Fierro's the people I want to see do Fierro live. I would say Derek Klenna Ugh, and yeah. um, Ryan McCartan. Those would be my Fieros. Derek and was for- Lindsay's Fiero. I know. Perfect together. They're perfect. Hashtag dogfight forever. They're also, as I say, they're in dogfight. Um, and then for my box, I already mentioned before, I would like to see Alex Brightman. And right. then I would like to see, um, he's a Cincinnati boy and his name is Jeff. I think it's Jeff Heinbrock is how I say his last name. But he's currently... He's currently the Bach understudy, but I would like to see him. I would like to see him do it because, like, he did um, the Book of Mormon and everything, and I've seen him do stuff, and I think it'd be full cool. All right, but those like, yeah, and then I would like to see um, the original tour. I would love to see the original tour. Stephanie J. Um, Block. Um, the original, no, the original tour. Nessa Rose. Because she was in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> was she? Yes. She was the mean girl, Libby. I... No. You didn't know that? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. What? Oh, I know. No. I just blew your mind. Sorry. So what are, so for those four roles, because I, I just kept it to those four. What are the two you'd want to see for each? I'm just gonna Okay, so 
it's going to become very apparent about how much I love this specific actor. I think she is fabulous. She was, I believe, the understudy on tour before she finally got to do her own track. But I want to see Stephanie Torns mm-hmm. as Alphaba. Um, there's a few videos on YouTube of her singing Defying Gravity, and it's so good. Um, and then I want to see Caroline Bowman as Alphaba. Okay. And she's the current Elsa on the national tour right now. Yep. Um, for Glinda. Let's see. I. Yeah, I mean, Patty Mirren, come on. <laughs> come on. Just can't uh, go wrong. And I know I, know, I made it hard. And who? And I said, I know I made that hard by saying only two. Like, I have a whole list of people for and each role, but. I, I want to see Gina Claire Mason again because I don't quite remember it. And I've been, like, following her for some time, and I love it. Um, and then Bach, I want to see, again, <laughs> for a specific reason, I want to see the original Bach, Christopher Fitzgerald. Um, I mean, really, if I could see the original show, I would. Oh, yeah, straight up. Yeah. Um, and then... Broadway.com, please get access to that tape. Thank you. Yes. No, it's the National Archive. It's the. Um, I don't think Broadway.com has it. It's like the, no, but I'm saying like, Broadway.com get a hold of it. I will pay money to see it. <laughs> True. Um, who am I missing? And Nessa Rose, you said. Uh, Fierro. Fierro. Oh, uh, declines. Duh. Um, <laughs> I think I don't know. There's something about like his Jonah Platt. I really like Jonah Platt. Oh yeah, yeah. That's very true. I, yeah. And I don't, Derek Klenna, there's something like, I know he played Fierro. I know he was capable about it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. But there's just something, like, he's played Fierro. Clearly he can do it. I just, like, I don't see his voice doing it. Right. I don't know. There's just something like I love his voice. I love it. But there's just something that I'm like, how did you do Fierro? <laughs> I don't know. I would love to see I would love to see the production of Lindsay and Derek because I was listening to like who did the best um no good deed climax right. video. I don't know why I watch those things because I'm like they're all amazing. And I think I just listened to them all because I want to just hear that note sung over and over. But what I found was interesting, right. and I would love to see it live, was that Lindsay Mendez, the way that she would, like, set, like, uh, the, in the section, um, oh, what is it? I don't, it was just the way that she was, like, speak singing some of the words made no good deed just feel deeper than it is and it was like she was making it so serious and she was so yeah she was just so far I don't know and I think it's because she's somebody who's like who plays more serious-esque like 
I don't know. You could like you could play Elphaba totally serious, or like let her have some fun and be like sassy and stuff. But the way Lindsay did No Good Deed, I was just like, wow. I don't feel like I'm listening to a complaining young adult. I'm listening to an adult fight for her love. And right. I, I don't know. It was just beautiful. I loved it. It was great. But those are some good people. We love you, Lindsay. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's original. always a good I love the original cast. Oh, yeah. There's, there's got to be a piece of it somewhere. Like, they record every show, so it's it's somewhere. It's just not available. Yeah. I don't know. But I love Wicked. Wicked will always hold a place in my heart. I am truly shook. To this day, I'm truly shook that of the um, t- 10 Tony nominations that it received, it and only won three of them. Three. Sorry, my bad. No, you're fine. Um I think it I I understand that um I understand why both Idina and Kristen were in the same category but as I have recently heard is that shows will say like please put please consider this person for this nomination I don't know if it was the same back in 2003 right. 2004 but if I think if they would have put um, Glinda, uh, Kristen, sorry, as supporting, mm-hmm. she would have also won. Right. Because without, I mean, though she's a lead because without her, you don't have a story. Right. But she did spread a lot the wealth. of stuff. Yeah, she spread the wealth. Right. Um, but also, Idina was deserving of it. And it totally was deserving of best scenic design and best costume design oh, by yeah. far. I am just extremely hurt. And I, I bet you Steven Schwartz is as well that it did not win. It lost to Avenue Q. You. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to let that sit for a sec. Yeah. But yeah. Well- it won a Grammy, though, so you got that. He has a Grammy. That's true, but I just wish he would have gotten more. <laughs> right. Um, well, and snubbed. I'm sorry? Was there, was, let's say there's plenty of shows that should have won more Tonys, but never did. Didn't. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes it's just, I don't know. Uh, uh, Wicked was a clear winner for me that year. But, like, it totally depends on the other shows that you go into that season with. You're taking right. your chances sometimes. But, yeah, right. I I love this show. It is part of the reason I am that I, the way I am. I like to think I'm a very good mixture of Alphabet and Glinda. Much more of a Glinda, anyway. unfortunately. Um, yeah, that's okay. I I'm more of an elf of us, so <laughs> <laughs> each other out. Yes, and I would kill to play either of them someday. I also have just seen more trends of actresses that I like a lot playing Alphaba rather than Glinda, which I find very interesting. 
But yeah, I love Wicked. It's the bomb. It is. Well, I don't have a whole lot to add because I feel like we pretty much exhausted the list I notes I had. Yeah, um, I am. If you don't have anything else to add, I'm go good. Ahead and end it here. Oh yeah. Cool. Well, I'm done. Thanks for hanging out with me. Thanks for talking theater.